Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. I can't buy no more. I can't buy no more. Army, for the second year, has won it. To the winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcons. Welcome back to the Against All Enemies podcast. Uh, we had a pretty solid weekend, if you're not an Army fan, um, for Air Force and Navy, um, for sure. Uh, Kayla, we'll get to that, and Scott, we'll get to your vindication, um, which I kind of brought up gingerly last week already of you're the you're the only person I know of that was like, why are we talking this Army's going to go undefeated garbage at the beginning of the season? Um, eventually, the, the kind of vanilla way that they run the option is going to catch up to them. Uh, and if the offense can't sustain, the defense can't carry them forever. And that's been the case, um, obviously, the past few weeks. And they're they're on a rough stretch, obviously, losing three in a row. We'll get to all that um, because, first, uh, we got a big, a big AAC matchup in the West Division this weekend between Navy and Tulane. The Mids will be welcoming the Green Wave to Annapolis um, for, uh, for a big showdown at 3.30 on Saturday. And we have JP from uh, the Fear of the Wave blog, uh, you know, the, the, the most uh, prolific Tulane blog out there. We definitely follow him uh, every week and keep up, and especially now that, that we've been in the AAC now for a few years. Uh, when I say we, I mean Austin and I and, and Navy, obviously. Um, but JP, thanks for, thanks for jumping on the call and uh, agreeing to answer some of our questions. Well, first off, very happy to be here. First time ever joining the show. And I also like the lead in because the the you know, the plug was prolific, which I think is good. We're we're a quantity based mm-hmm. establishment. You know, that's what we're going for. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, going into last week, I, I said on the R podcast last weekend and maybe I was the one that jinxed you guys. Um, but I, I said, you know, when I actually think I said when, or, or maybe I said if, I'm not sure, I don't remember, but I was very confident that, that y'all were going to go into the Liberty Bowl and and beat Memphis um, last weekend, and that would have set up, I, I believe you guys would have been, certainly if not in the top 25, you know, 26, 27, something like that, and receiving votes heading into the weekend. Um, but can you give us just kind of like an overall, I know you're coming off of a kind of a, a bad loss, but um state of Tulane football so far, like the the kind of two-minute version of that for this year. Um, and then, you know, how you see the team rebounding after this loss to Memphis um, last weekend. Man, I'm, I'm glad that I've had a couple of days to decompress here because I think yeah. if you had asked me this question on Saturday, I would have needed about two hours. <laughs> my, uh, my grandma called me from Pittsburgh and was like, what happened? And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. all right, let me bring you back to the history of Tulane football. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I think what you said is very accurate. Tulane went and played Memphis. They were five and one entering that game. They were right on the cusp of being in the top 25 for the first time since 1998. For listeners of the show who aren't super familiar with Tulane football, there's a reason for that. I mean, we're really coming out of a, a dark age of the program. And, you know, of course, the head coach, Willie Fritz, very well respected, uh, you know, within the AAC community and, and really it earned him a lot of attention nationally. And so you have all these questions now of, you know, is this a, a Tulane team that is is for real in an AEC West division where I think there's quite a few teams that to this day have the ability to to win this division this year? And so expectations were the highest that they've been in this century. And on top of that, while Tulane was going to play a very good Memphis team, I think by the time that game happened, the line was all the way down to maybe a point and a half in Memphis's favor. So, you know, folks like yourself and, you know, and, and me as well, we saw this being a, a close, you know, battle that we were going to, to see in this one. Ultimately, really from, you know, it, it, it through the first quarter, things were kind of already starting to go off the rails. But really by the, the third quarter, Memphis thoroughly wins this game. And, and it was a real, uh, I think, wake up call for the program after uh, kind of having a really terrific start to this season. That's my initial impression as best as I can explain it. No, I think that's good. And and. 
and selfishly as a Navy fan, I wanted you guys to win this game because I wanted a better, I, mean, I wanted a, I wanted a top 25 two lane team coming into Napa this weekend. But more importantly, um, if you guys beat Memphis and that was their second conference loss, the Navy then controlled their own destiny once again um, in the race going into this weekend with what, what I would think would have been the two favorites at that point. Um, if Memphis had two conference losses and Tulane had, had beaten them um, at that point. Um, but uh, I guess we, we've, I don't, and I, we'll get into kind of our thoughts on on Navy and the rivalry and what we perceive as Navy fans um, and the Trident Trophy and those sorts of things uh, in a couple minutes. But uh, we've we've talked obviously because you guys played Army, so we've we've talked Tulane at least once, probably twice at least um, on our podcast this season. Uh, and Austin and I like to bring up, you know, that it's just been this consistent. You, you guys have been getting better over the last like four or five seasons. It's like one, two wins a season, right? And you consistently seem to to be getting better and the program does seem to be moving along uh, and hopefully this was a blip on the radar but I mean from a from a Tulane fan perspective has that been the case I mean it, it has been this this steady um, growth in our eyes and we've seen it certainly in playing you know Navy uh, where every year it seems like the game gets a little bit closer and then last year you guys um, pull out the victory uh, you know by one by one point um, so kind of your thoughts on maybe the last five years of the program and, and if if that's an accurate look at, at this program just incrementally getting better what you just said is so completely accurate and important to remember I mean here here's here's what I would ask you you know for for folks who are listening who are Navy fans maybe if you think back to the year before Keenan Reynolds, or if you're an Army fan, you know, before people were watching Army take Oklahoma to, to triple overtime or whatever that was, you know, these programs have, have all had really pretty rough trajectories, in my opinion, through the 1990s going into the 2000s. And, and then when you get that chance where, like you said, Tulane was right on the cusp of the top 25 coming into this huge Trident Trophy game, you know, there was just so much excitement. I think it's easy to forget where you came from, right? And, yeah. and what you said is so true of, you know, I think the the first season under Willie Fritz, he had no roster. We literally didn't have a quarterback. Our quarterback at one point, our starter, was one of our current running backs as a freshman. I mean, it was just, he, he, he starts with four wins, which is already an improvement. The next year he gets to five wins, which a lot of Tulane fans feel like should have been six. Uh, there was a very controversial call at the end of the final game against SMU. Last year, he comes in and they get to bowl eligibility and they end up winning seven. This year, last year at this time, Tulane was two and five and they Mm -hmm. made a bowl game. This year, they're five and two. So, yes, folks are disappointed in what happened on Saturday. But I I think you're uh, a sober and realistic look is that Willie Fritz has done, in my opinion, just a, a truly remarkable job already and he's raised the expectations so much and I, I feel like for any of our programs you know once that happens you, you can't go back you're ready for the next thing right yeah and so Kayla I think you could take solid Kayla's our army fan um because I've been saying this the last two weeks and even more so after they're now under 500 army is um that same thing like I get it you guys want you guys came into the season you thought it was going to be a, an undefeated season you're going to beat Michigan in the big house and it was going to be like you know, the greatest Army season ever and hasn't lived up to expectations, but Army still probably wins seven, eight games this year. And if you if you just can get past the last two, three seasons and look at like how far Army has come, like a seven win season is still in a bowl game and potentially the CIC is still great. So I think it's very similar um, for Tulane in, a, in almost a similar amount of time of, of the last three or four seasons seeing that improvement. So Kayla, you can take uh, maybe solace in that. And, and I guess I'll throw it to Kayla and Scott. Um, so Kayla's our Army. Uh, contributor and, and represents army on the podcast and scott's actually our air force guy um but if they have any you know a question or two to throw jp's way before i let um let austin our other navy guy have have his take yeah i just um first is awesome of course being able to talk to you and get this awesome perspective um one of the biggest things when i was just writing the preview before the Tulane game um was just looking at how explosive um justin mcmillan is and i just kind of want to ask you know, from from your perspective, what has been the transformation from his leadership of the team, um, from transforming the team, like you said prior? Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that you guys even have a quarterback, and it seemed like um, you know his addition and experience as a as a transfer has kind of made a, a complete kind of turnaround in in some ways. I think that's an awesome question, and and for anyone who maybe is a little less familiar with Tulane. Uh, Justin McMillan was an LSU transfer. He was a grad transfer who came in uh, literally at the end of fall camp last year. And he ends up taking the reins about at the midpoint when Tulane was two and five. They end up finishing the season uh, by by going on this huge run and basically winning all but one game. 
They go to the the Cure Bowl for the first time uh, since 2013, uh, making it to the postseason. They they win that game solidly, and a lot of that does have to do with with Justin. And I think if you look at his, at his play as a quarterback, and I think the Army game is a great example of when, you know, one of his better performances that he's had with the Green Wave. He is, you know, he is a, a player who I think is is a pretty good runner, especially because he makes a lot of good reads. And I think the other thing that he does pretty well is he, you know, looking at this Memphis game, which I think most people would agree was uh, one of his toughest. He had three interceptions and, and a lot of those were early that really affected the momentum of the game. I think one thing about his leadership is he's shown a great capacity to come back and figure things out and, and get back into the fight. Uh, the best example of that, some folks may have seen this, but a few weeks ago on Thursday night football, Tulane was trailing by 21 points to Houston. And that was before they dismantled that team. And, you know, Justin <laughs> talked about, yeah, they did. I mean, Tulane kind it's of shut true. their no, season down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Justin came back and, and I think just uh, really found his game and, and stuck in there. And it ends in this really epic final catch, uh, you know, walk, basically a walk off, uh, you know, touchdown. So I, I think Justin's a huge factor in that. And I think against a quality opponent like Navy, uh, his ability to contribute to the run game and then also making good decision, decisions with throwing the ball is just so, so critical against a team like this. Scott, you got a question or you want me to go ahead and pass it over to Austin? Oh, no, of course I do. Uh, okay. so first of all, <laughs> I, I figured so. I, I love I it. So. Yeah, I just want to say I'd love to have uh, Tulane on Air Force's schedule. A little tidbit for you. The series right now between Air Force and Tulane is tied 3-3, three and three, and Tulane is actually on a two-game win streak from the years of 1980 and 1981. So I'd love to revive that a little Bring bit. Bring it back. Oh, Let's yeah. Yeah. So my question is is pretty much moot now, considering the fact that the AAC has approved an 11-team conference with a championship. Um, but there was a little bit of discussion about Air Force at the beginning of the season when it was announced that UConn would be leaving for football. And um, Coach Troy Calhoun said in recent weeks that he didn't know if the Mountain West was a great fit for Air Force. Um, and I, we're not 100% sure what he meant by that. But I was basically <laughs> just wondering what your – perspective is on that would you welcome air force in do you think there would be a fit do you think it would improve the, the conference what do you think yeah you know when I, I and ultimately for and i don't know if you've covered this in a previous episode but if you look at the dynamics of how the ac was going to choose another team the goal this this go around was really to not expand so the the waiver coming through and being able to play a championship with 11 teams is i, I would say the ideal position for the conference because now they get to see how some stuff plays out you know, to actually answer your question, I think there were only really a handful of teams that brought something to the table in terms of strengthening the AEC brand or making AEC football more interesting. I think if you look at the other two service academies who aren't AEC members, both Army and Air Force are very interesting on that level. And, you know, I think if you look at the brand of the conference, the idea of kind of having the commander in chief trophy, you know, within that league that's an interesting stepping stone for a casual football fan into this conference because people are familiar, you know, with, with service Academy football. And I think especially over the last few years, you know, I don't know that the brand has been this good in, in a long time. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. I mean, beyond, you know, looking at air force and army, I think the, the really creme de la creme option ultimately that if they were interested, I'm sure the AAC would have been willing to, to make a move, uh, would be bringing BYU in as a football brand. I mean, it's just one that, uh, you know, especially with how national their fan base is, I think would, would have brought something to the AAC, you know, if in a few years, and I do expect that eventually the AAC could look to go back to 12 teams. I think the Mountain West is really where a lot of the, the more inter interesting schools are going to be because you tend to have longer, more established football programs, um, better academic institutions that you might find in some of the other leagues. But yeah, there, I think every school that, that we're looking at here, now we have a few years to figure out what trajectory they're, they're on and how they fit into that league. Well, I think this, this is a good segue into speaking of trophies and what happened <laughs> with an 11 team, an 11 team league. Um, and so Austin and I have said, well, first off, Two questions. The first one is, what do we have to do to make the try and trophy roll thing? Because like it should be like it could be the premier trophy um, as far as like the actual trophy itself. You know, I just imagine like a Navy or Tulane player after the game, just like <laughs> running around, like holding the try, you know, the trident like a spear on the field. And like, I mean, this should be a real thing. So what do we have to do to make this a real thing is the first question. The second question is, it goes along with that, you know, in an 11 team league, if we're going to go 
um, since it's going to be kind of a rotating thing. And, and, you know, if we ended up with some kind of permanent um, rival type game where it's not just constant rotation, but someone that you are playing kind of year in and year out, if that was to become a thing. Austin and I have said, and we're, we're very young to the conference and we know that um, in the AAC, but we just, we have felt like um, if there was, a, a, you know, and Memphis has been good, Houston's been good, but if there was a team that, that just kind of feels like it's kind of becoming a rivalry in a, in a healthy way, but, but also in a competitive way, like Tulane is it for us. We've said that multiple times. So your thoughts on that is Navy a team that you would like to see um, now that we go to 11 teams as, as more of a permanent game for Tulane and how do we make this Trident trophy thing happen? Big time. Oh man, there's a, there's a lot to unpack in that question, but it's a good one. And, you know, for anyone who isn't familiar, which, you know, you should be at this point, because as you mentioned, this is the the best, not totally real rivalry that I think is in college football today. And the the basic backstory, I think a few years ago, because, you know, Tulane and Navy had started playing each other. And what was interesting was really in every game of this series, I, the only exception would really be 2015 when Tulane was really at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, and I think that was Keenan Reynolds uh, senior year that, you know, one team really won in a lopsided way. And even in that game, I think at halftime, Tulane was only down three points or something like that. So the first thing is that these are two schools that have been really competitive every time they're on the field together. I think that the the margin in the rest of the games has been seven points or less. I think on top of that, you know, obviously with with one being a nautical school and the other having the green wave, you know, as its logo, how could you not do this? And, and yeah. really from that, that's where the uh, the hashtag Trident Trophy was born, and and it doesn't exist yet. But if this is going to be a back and forth series, I, I would love to answer your question. You know, I I think that when they figure out who the permanent rivals are going to be, I would imagine that a lot of teams in the conference want to play Navy on an ongoing basis, and because right. of you know the access to being able to play, you know, in the you know the uh, the Washington D.C. and Maryland area, I think is is incredible for a lot of fan bases. We all know it's a great football environment. Um, so I think just making Tulane's pitch, I like the idea of the way this series has gone. And and I know even when, uh, when the series is in new Orleans, there's a great, you know, uh, presence of Navy fans there. It's always one of the most fun games that we have. And so I think on all those levels, this, this really needs to happen. So if you believe in the Trident trophy and you're like, man, I can imagine, you know, if you're a Navy fan, Navy coming off the field with it. If you're a Tulane fan, the majestic and beloved green wave coming off the field with it, (laughs) with a trident, with a nautical weapon. So if you believe in this, here's my suggestion to you. You got to let, you know, the the powers that be know, uh, give a tweet to, I think it's at Tulane, or sorry, at Navy Athletics, uh, or give a tweet to at Green Wave FB, uh, you know, and do the hashtag Trident Trophy if you're on Twitter. Let let the folks know that you want it, and we'll see if we can do this from the grassroots level. How does that sound? Uh, it sounds great, and that would be awesome, um, obviously. And and to know that we did it from the grassroots level, you know, between our blog, your blog, Mike James, and uh, you know, the Mid Report, and all you know, people who have been pushing for it for the last couple of years, um, and Jest at first, and now more, you know, the more you think about it, like in in, in all seriousness. Um, but to, and I think you're right. I think and Navy. If I had to say that, you know, yeah, they would want to go into Florida, obviously. Um, but for them, I think, you know, Memphis, Tennessee is a huge state for Navy in recruiting. Obviously, Texas, if you had, you know, SMU or Houston, I would prefer SMU because we already have the Gantz Trophy with SMU and, and kind of a storied thing there. But but if I was picking just based on um, what I felt in the first you know, four or five years of Navy being in the conference, I mean, Tulane would be at the top of the list. Um, so I'm going to throw it over to Austin. I don't want, we don't want to take – up too much more of your time. I think he's got rapid fire stuff. Hopefully, I know there were some fun questions. Hopefully, there's some actual maybe fo- football questions because we actually sure. haven't really talked much football outside of a little bit about Justin McMillan. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe, maybe some thoughts, if not at the end, about what you guys saw from Army and how that prepares you for Navy and your thoughts. Um, and we'll, we'll come to it at the end. Actually, I just yeah. thought Austin run with this. Yeah, no, I I had kind of two football related questions before. I was going to do like a quick uh, six question lightning round, and then I think we'll, we'll wrap it up because we'll have to. We, they still make us cover Army and Air Force on this show, so we got to get wow. to them at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but the first question I have is actually along those lines. So Tulane obviously already went to uh, to West Point and and took care of Army, and I'm curious to think from a fan perspective, from a blog perspective, someone who's following the ins and outs of the Tulane Green Wave in 2019. Do you think? That matchup is something that's going to, and this is a tough question, but do you do you see that benefiting Tulane in this matchup against Navy, or is it more of, hey, it's more game film for Navy to look at and prepare and expect that 
uh, the Tulane defense is going to line up the same way? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, and this is and please weigh in on this because because, you know, y'all are the experts. But I think one of the the neat things about option football and, and I think you'll always hear a great triple option coach say this is that the other team knows what you're going to do. You know, there there's there's really no no big secret when it comes to to triple option football generally. And so I think one of the things that I have always found in these kinds of games against the service academies is that the teams that tend to do well are the ones who appro- approach it with a, a seriousness in their preparation. And then on game day, they get the execution done. And the teams that I've seen regularly play, and where yeah, I love this, you know, I think for anyone who follows us at Fear the Wave on Twitter, anytime I see, you know, Army marching up and down the field against Michigan or something like that, it, it's just incredible to think about, you know, the athletes that they're bringing in on their defenses. And at the end of the day, you know, they, they know the basic contours of this offense and they're just, woefully unprepared to deal with it to answer your question i mean i think that that when you play a couple service academies in one year um you know that's always interesting because i i think you're right that that obviously i think there are some things that they can take away in the, in the army film but i also think that if you look at this staff it's heavily heavily influenced by georgia southern uh which of course is where willie fritz came from in his last stop in fbs jeff monkin was the coach there before willie fritz so i think there is some common dna um, you know, that that while Tulane runs a, a vastly different offensive philosophy, I think there is an understanding of how to play against option teams. And I think as a result of that, I think we've seen a lot of parity in this matchup over the last few years, uh, though it's Navy that is uh, is currently ahead three to one, you know, since joining the AAC. That, that's a great point. And we, we often talk about sometimes with these these matchups is looking at the defensive coordinator or the head coaching staff. And sometimes when I see that they have a recent FCS background, I actually get more worried because I'm like, man, they probably face a triple option a lot more often. <laughs> so it's, it's something that we definitely dissect, I think before games and uh, the, the Georgia Southern connection, I guess you could tie in, you know, Paul Johnson and, and then Kenny to that through Paul Johnson. So there's definitely a long connection there, which uh, is a fun kind of backstory toward, towards this. My next question that's football related, which is actually kind of a good segue into the fun lightning round I was trying to find a consistency between two lanes, two, two losses this year. Obviously, Memphis and Auburn are, are good, solid teams, and the consistency can probably stop there. They're two top 30 SP-plus uh, teams and everything. But one thing I saw is these were the two games that Tulane was held to less than 298 rushing yards. So is that the secret? Just if you can hold Tulane to less than 300 yards, you might have a shot? That's pretty much it. I mean, that that's a... That actually, I think, is uh, if you're going to pull one statistic together and say these two games, you know, went way differently. With that being said, I think the other big difference, if you look at, you know, the Auburn versus the Memphis game uh, against Auburn, Tulane went to Auburn. It was their second game of the season and lost by 18. And it, it felt like a close 18, if you will. I mean, the Green Wave was really in that game going into the fourth quarter. And then meanwhile, against Memphis, by the time he got into the second half at the latest, this thing felt totally over. And I think that that. You know, the the first big key for the what if you were asking me, what does Tulane need to do to beat a really good team like Navy? Like if I were looking at one thing, what would it be? I think if Tulane were to rush for over 290 uh, rushing yards, then, yeah, I would feel pretty good about how that day went. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought was interesting in the Army film is that Tulane sort of out armied Army. I think that the the ball control and being able to really control the clock which to me are hallmarks of what Army, you know, Army has done well uh, in, in years past. You know, Tulane was really able to do that really effectively. Um, so I think if I'm looking at this game, I think reestablishing the run game in a way that they didn't against Memphis is going to be mission critical. Oh, I, I would agree. Now, here's here's where I'll, I'll wrap it up for the night for you because we don't want to keep you too long with my lightning round. All right. So uh, don't need to elaborate on these answers, more rapid fire type stuff. I got about six or seven questions. Are you ready for them? Lay them on me. Let's do it. All right. I have first one. I need the best AAC city, and you can't say New Orleans. Wow. Annapolis is really come. Th- I'm thinking through it right now. You know, you, wow. There's there's some there's some good cities. The, I <laughs> the two. I'll tell you this. The two that are you know no no responses. I'll go with uh, I'll go with Houston. I'm a big Houston fan. All right. If you had to join the Army, Navy, or Air Force, who would it be? Wow. <laughs> I would go with Navy. <laughs> yes. Good choice. Best wow. Navy stations. I mean, Best he's, Navy stations. he's got the, the seamanship background too late. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. uh, Bob Toledo or Curtis Johnson. 
Oh man, guys. Uh, <laughs> Curtis Johnson. Is Cafe Dumont overrated? It is. <laughs> <laughs> Have you talked or met a uh, baseball Brit yet? Have uh, We've DM'd, so I'll okay. say yes. I'm not sure who knows that story, but this is a guy, he's a famous baseball fan out of the UK who like spun some wheel to say he was going to pick some FBS team to become a fan of, and it landed on Tulane, right? So... <laughs> He's been on like ESPN now. I mean, he's 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 got like tens of thousands of followers, and it's it's amazing because it's not like AAC fans. You got these like Alabama people in his mentions, like you need to you need to respin the wheel, and it's like, come <laughs> on, man. He he made his choice. We got yeah. the commit. It's great. All right, and these last two, I guess, are maybe more serious. But real quick, who who's going to win the AAC this year? I think the best path is Cincinnati. Yeah, I would yeah. I would I tend to agree. That. Yeah. And then uh, the last one, which we all know the answer to, but we'll ask you anyway, who's your pick to win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy? I think Navy's really good this year. I'm going to go with Navy. <laughs> yes. Right, I'm making the it. Navy people happy. I'm sorry, Air Force and, and Army folk. Well, I, Air Force can't win it this year. So. Air Force can't win it. Are they already? That was wow. cut off early, yeah. earlier this season. Yeah, they're, they're out. <laughs> even, even if it's a tie, it's going to go back to Army. So uh, it comes down to the Army-Navy game at this point. So Awesome. Well, thanks, JP. I appreciate that. That was fun. It was, yeah. it was great being on, everyone. Thank you for having me, and, and we'd love to come back on in the future. So appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, JP. Everybody make sure you check out Fear the Wave uh, on Twitter and, and check out their blog. Um, they put out good stuff. They also do AAC Power Rankings each week that we kind of help out with uh, as one of the voting members, and so it's good stuff. Yeah, thanks, JP. All right, see y'all. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Against Enemies podcast. Thanks again to JP from Fear the Wave blog for jumping on. That was a really good discussion. Um, I had you know a lot of fun uh, talking to him about Tulane football coming into the Navy game. So we don't really need to cover that too much, but we did not actually mention um, Navy's previous game this past weekend. I was flying from Seattle back to uh, South Carolina, caught the first quarter uh, as we were boarding and then before takeoff until it ran out, and then uh, – called the fourth quarter when we landed in Denver. So I caught two quarters out of the, out of the game. So I will um, defer to Austin on, on his thoughts, but just my initial kind of takeaways. Um, the only thing I really have to say is that touchdown by Malcolm in the first quarter, can't, can't, my wife, Candace, literally said, she was watching two with me on my phone, and she was like, is, is it in fast forward? She thought that I was like, I was in two, two X or whatever um, watching mm-hmm. the game. It, and it literally, if you watch it, like his head doesn't move, and it's like literally it looks like it's in fast forward. Um, what I mean, it, it, it's the most impressive touchdown run I've seen from him this year. There, there have been more in previous years. Um, so that was really impressive. But this defense, I mean, uh, we probably haven't talked about it enough, uh, and we've talked about it a lot. But, I mean, they're now, you know, top 15 or something like that, top 20 in every statistical category on defense. Now the, you know, 12th scoring defense and 13th in, in yards per game. Um, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, yes, the USF was out without their – um, quarterback, their other quarterback was injured or whatever, wasn't playing at full strength, but still, I mean, you hold USF to three points. Um, I mean, that, that's gotta be where we start, right? Austin or, or where we start and finish like the, this, this short conversation. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, defense holds uh, USF to 264 yards, Jacob Springer with three sacks on his own, which is quite impressive. Uh, Diego Fago adds 10 tackles of his own. Kevin Brennan, four solo tackles. It just seemed like everyone was getting to the ball and, and and you've seen in previous games Navy had success and then maybe in the fourth quarter gave up a late touchdown or, or, or in the second half um, but this was a very complete game on the defensive side and the offense had numbers yeah. when you look at Malcolm Perry 188 yards and two touchdowns run for 434 yards and when you just look at the box score it looks like a pretty good offensive performance too but it still didn't feel 100% on offense and I think that was a big part of that was because of yeah. the three turnovers uh, Malcolm was 0 for 3 with two picks and had a fumble um, so that was obviously not the cleanest performance by Navy football on the offensive side, but defense was just so complete and they, 
they deserve all the credit for this game. I think if the defense doesn't stand up, Navy's offense can't put 434 yards together. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, on the ground. Wait, yeah. And so, we'll um, yes, single, single and we'll move on. But but we've made this point too before. Like, how many times watching Navy football can you think of where the offense gave the ball away three times like that? And I mean, it's a you can't think of one where he gave away three times. I don't think, and it's a 32 point victory. But just where where you can rely on the defense to kind of carry when the offense is turning the ball over something like that. I mean, in the past, that's just been disaster. We've relied so heavily on the offense to do its thing. It's just really good to see. And Jacob Springer being named AAC Defensive Player of the Week. Um, I have to ask Straz, you know, about this. But I, I can't think of another Navy player that's won AAC Defensive Player of the Week since we joined the conference. But I, that's just off the top of my head. I don't think, like, Sean Williams won it last year or anything. I'm not sure. I think he got honorable mention a few times. But – um, that's just a, that's a big deal, I think, to have the AAC Defensive Player of the Week at Navy. Um, so, big win for Navy. Um, let's go to a little more somber because I want to end on a high note. Um, and I'm really want, looking forward to talking about Mike Schmidt, but we'll come back to that. Um, so, Army, uh, I mean, Scott, do you want to you gloat first or how, how do we want to do this? Uh, I mean, really, it's not like, it, it, I don't know. It's They're 3-4 they're and four now, three straight losses. Um, they lost to a, a, a decent, a good Georgia State team um, for sure, but... Um, things are on the verge of, of spiraling out of control a little bit. I feel like that's just my kind of take um, watching some of these games where they just cannot seem to put it together, um, but they do get San Jose State this week. So, Kayla, any thoughts on the the Georgia State game itself or how they write the ship this week against San Jose State, or, or, or what do we do? Because I mean, we're three losses now in a row. We're three and four, under five hundred. Um, and they have a couple of games that are pretty much guaranteed wins in, in VMI and UMass um, to get them to five wins, but that'd be two FCS games um, because of Morgan State. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, the the road to a bowl game is getting tougher by the week for Army. No, definitely, I agree. And of course, um, you know, even you know, in the game against Western Kentucky, I don't want to you know go out on a limb and say you know the rest of the the schedule is is in the bag because. Um, from we've seen this past season, you from this team, you just you can't really tell. Um, I think you know the past three games, this Georgia State game, I think um, you know a loss is a loss, and you can be ticked. And if you're an Army fan, you're upset. I get that, but I think looking at how they played, I think this is an improvement. I think that they executed um, far better um, against this Georgia State team. Uh, that really, like I said, it wasn't you know wrote in the recap and kind of if you're watching it up until. It was kind of a back and forth, a slow churn and burn until the last, um, you know, the last quarter. And I think Army did have an opportunity to come out with a win. Um, just listening to uh, the press conference and hear some of the players. And, and Coach Munkin said that this game, he says this game upcoming um, against San Jose is the turning point uh, for this team. And we said, you know, this game against Georgia State uh, was a turning point and kind of figuring out, you know, is this, like you said, is this a downward spiral? What's going on? Is this it for this Army team? Um, I don't think so necessarily, um, but I think against this Georgia State team, I think they kind of got, you know, whatever was missing and, and sort of, you know, the pieces of the puzzle um, is sort of working together again. You know, they're still, uh, some pointed out before, they're still ninth in the country in rushing offense. You know, 73% of their fourth down conversions, they're completed, which is 12th in the country. They're way, way down on their possession, uh, which we know we're, we're used to kind of um, heightening on that as a service academy and as an Army team. So I think, you know, we have to keep putting these pieces together. I think when you think about, you know, San Jose State, um, Josh Love, you know, he's a, a pretty good quarterback. He's 52% on his pass completion um, attempt. So I think there are some ways um, in, in which we kind of execute as a team that we can pull out this win. I also will say that since this is a home game, I'm really, really hoping and really thinking that this is going to be a big advantage um, for them. I think three games on the road, um, you know, three straight losses, I can't imagine, you know, the type of toll that that's taking on this team, um, on the coaching staff. And I think that they're ready uh, to get back, um, you know, to West Point um, and win this at home. And I think that's that's what's going to be a, a big point of contention uh, for for hoping a victory uh, coming this weekend. Yeah, and I, I, I actually I agree with you. You know, the Georgia State game was, I mean, it's a it's a five and two team. That's a, this is an improved Georgia State squad that beat Tennessee. It's got a win over Arkansas State. Um, kind of has an, an inexplicable loss to Western Michigan where they lost like 52 to 10 or something like that. Um, but, but, but they're a good team. And, and yeah, this game was, was lost in the fourth quarter. I mean, this was a game the Army was in the whole time, um, was, was tied or winning, you know, for, um, you know, a large portion of the game. And 
Um, and, and so I would agree with you. I think it's an improvement over Western Kentucky. Uh, and I actually think, you know, we definitely said last week this is the turning point game. It didn't kind of work out. Um, I, and I don't know if I'd say turning point, but now I think that term might not be accurate. And, and Austin or Scott could weigh in on that, too, if you think. I don't know if that's the right term now. But I think um, the San Jose State game, if there's a must win, I think this is a must win. Um, because Air, Air Force is coming next and they got to travel to Air Force. Um, they're welcoming San Jose State from California, right, for a noon kickoff Eastern on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot in their favor. Um, and I, I would definitely like to get Scott's take on having having watched um, a San Jose State game this year. I watched that game too, but but as an Air Force fan um, and having watched a lot of Army football now, what his thoughts are uh, on Army going into this game. And, and, I mean, do you guys agree? Is this a must-win? Yeah, it absolutely is. I think <laughs> where Army's at right now, you got to look at a big picture. They've fallen really really far where they're supposed to have this fantastic season potentially even go undefeated now i'm looking at the rest of their schedule six more games and it looks to me like they only have three win three games that they really should win um the rest just just where it is right now in terms of fpi and i think logic i think they're gonna lose to probably air force hawaii and navy um and i think this san jose state game could be another one they could potentially drop or, you know, they could kind of get the season back on track a little bit, and I, I don't think they're going to go 6-0 and for the rest of the season, but um, maybe they can win the San Jose State game, VMI, and then Hawaii, and then, um, or in, in UMass, not Hawaii, sorry about that, and then pick up a win in against Air Force, Hawaii, or Navy. Um, so it really is a turning point, and I would say it's a must-win for kind of the morale of the team, but it's just they're in a really tough spot, and I don't... I don't really. I think the only thing that they can do at this point is have Jeff Munkin sit down and give this a lot of thought and come up with a game plan that's going to win because it's clear that they're not going to win any games on talent alone. Um, it's it's going to take a great plan from the coaches. Austin, your thoughts? Is this a must win? And then back to Scott on San Jose State specifically and what you saw from them and and how you see this matchup. Yeah. So. It's it's so hard. It's hard for me to actually commit to calling it a must win because I still see a pathway to getting. For, I still see a pathway. They, they have to get seven wins, right? Because they because of that's, the two FCS teams. That's true. So they have to get the seven wins to get to bowl eligibility. I would say it's it's not it's not impossible after if they lose this. Why am I sounding like the Kale I know. <laughs> we switched roles. Yeah. Um, no, I. It's. Okay, that's a must win. You convinced me. Um, mostly because it, what you said earlier, San Jose State is coming to New York to play at noon, and like Army is the better team, and they are favored. So this has to be a win for Army football, right? Uh, if if this game goes south, then what's happening? What are we doing? Uh, if you look at even just the stats from the Georgia State game, they won the time of possession battle. Um, they lost the turnover battle, but they were six for eight on fourth downs. Georgia state only had three possessions in the second half touchdown, touchdown, and they ran the clock out to end the, in the fourth quarter. That's not a recipe for army football to win in terms of being efficient on defense. That's what we used to think of defense. Uh, I don't know. Maybe not efficient might not be the right word, but forcing turnovers and, and limiting possessions, but getting them off the field. Like this was the complete opposite of that. Like sure. The possessions were limited, but they could not get them off the field. And uh, I know the defense has kind of been, I think the offense has gotten more of the negativity for Army's losses recently, but the, I'm not sure if the defense has held up to its end of the bargain either. So San Jose State game has to be the one where they put it together to find a way to get a win. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I don't. It, I think it's a must win. Obviously, I threw that out there um, as far as bowl eligibility goes. Um, and, and just the fact that after that, you know, you, you don't want to go to Colorado Springs, uh, on a four game losing streak when you know what happened the last time you went to Colorado Springs. And regardless of how the Navy game went for Air Force this year, um, Air Force is a, is a better team than Army, I believe. And they want this, um, you know, they want to split the, the CIC games go one and one at least this year and, and get vengeance on that shutout. And we'll talk that obviously next week, but, um, for, for, from that perspective too, I think it's just like you said, Austin, like uh, army should win this game still. I still think they should maybe Scott will tell us differently having probably watched San Jose state closer than we have. Um, but I still think army should win this game for the factors we talked about. 
Scott, do you have any thoughts on, on San Jose State and the, and the matchup itself um, on Saturday? Yeah. I, I really think that it's a must, it's a should win for Army. I don't really see any scenario where they lose the game, but um, they are going to have to overcome a few challenges. I think that Josh Love had the ability to shred Air Force's defense, and I think Air Force has a much better defense than Army does. Um, but they put up some points, so Army is going to have to not just slow down the game, but they're going to have to be super, super efficient and put points up on the board. Um, obviously can't turn the ball over, and then they're also going to have to deal with that one kind of thorn in everybody's side, uh, Ethan Aguayo, who's an incredible linebacker. And like I said, I think he's playing at a school that's below his talent level. I think he could be at the top of the Mountain West, top of the AAC, or potentially even a Power 5 talent. So... Those things, um, it goes back to what I said. It's going to be a, a game plan change. It's It can't be just, oh, we're going to go out there and see what happens. They're going to have to really bring their A game and put something special together, even to get over this hump, because like we've talked about, winning football games is hard, um, and they're on a three-game losing streak. So I, I think there's a lot of things that are stacked against them in a game that they should win handedly. Kayla, do you remember the game last year, the Army Army uh, San Jose State yes. game last year, right? I mean, that was just <laughs> yeah. what a dominant performance by Army last year, right? Yeah, it was a complete opposite, and that's a little bit of what I was kind of looking at the history and, and going back is, um, you know, we were on um, a, a three-game winning streak coming in uh, coming into to that matchup last year, so it's it's interesting just to see how almost opposite the tides, you know, have changed. Unfortunately, um, you know, to 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 say so, but. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, I'm not going out for a, a blowout win like last season, but it needs to be, um, they need, like like Scott says, they need to put, put points on the on the board early, or, or, or I'm a little unsure, but I'm, I'm really rooting for them. I'm hoping, especially at home, uh, before they go uh, to Colorado Springs, because they definitely need it at this point. Yeah, and, and so I think on the flip side, right, not that we think, I'm not saying San Jose State thinks they're, you know, we think the San Jose State's going to be bowl eligible at the end of the season or something like that, but... Um, it's the same feeling for them. Like they're looking at this probably as this two, three, and four teams coming into this game, and Army just trounced them last year. It was like four straight possessions to start the second half, or something crazy like that. Um, turnovers, like four straight um, uh, for San Jose State last year. Fifty-two to three, they lost to Army. So obviously, they probably want revenge too, and they're probably looking at their schedule, thinking they got Boise, Fresno, Hawaii, still, and UNLV. Like. They got to beat Army, beat UNLV, and then hope hope to surprise one of those other three teams. Um, this is a must win for them too. So uh, it, it's going to be, I think, a close match, matchup. Does anybody know what the spread is on this? I, I haven't looked at it yet, but um, it, is it in Army's favor? Yeah. I, so regardless, we all kind of say like we think. I mean, Kaylee, you still the, the eternal optimist, right? You. You do concur with the the th- other three of us that this is still a should win for Army. I mean, they they're still the favorite team, oh, and still at home. Um, definitely ten points. Yeah, there you go. So a ten point Army favor uh, here, um, and we believe you know Army will will win this game. I think and and get to four and four. Um, but if they don't, I mean, it, this is going to be a really more difficult conversation. I feel like next week, uh, and obviously Scott will be. Uh, further in enjoying his vindication as he rolls into Army Air Force week um, yeah, next Scott week, if that's the case. Switch, we'll have switched roles totally. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel vindication towards the fans. All the fans who said uh, that, yeah, oh, it, we yeah. don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about when I say that they run a really simple offense, that it's a super complex thing, that they're on the rise, and, and blah, blah, blah. I don't feel any sort of vindication towards the players. I mean, these guys are just trying to make their academy experience and their four years on the football team as good as it can be and so you want the best for him and I think it there's yeah. a lot of things going on and it's like a lot of what ifs and games that they wish they could have back and probably coming into that into the season with this mentality that yeah we have no problem going undefeated that's what does that do to your psyche and so that's what I'm yeah. saying like if they yeah. were to manage their expectations earlier I think we could be in a much different scenario right now and that's a good point. I mean, same thing. Like, I want them to do what we, we have spoken their praises plenty, you know, plenty. And this isn't a, a bash fest by any means. Like, we've all said, we believe they will win this game. We think they'll beat San Jose State. They'll get back at four and four. And then, you know, they'll, they'll have Air Force in front of them. And, and the, the season could, could swing the other way, you know, perhaps. Um, and we've talked about, you know, several of their players. And, and Elijah Riley, I, I think he's a legitimate NFL prospect and I still believe that. And um, so it's not, it's not about that for sure. It's just, it, 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 to your point, I mean that, it, it, and I think 
like I said earlier when JP was on, um, that it's okay to go seven and five this season. Like that's not the end of the world um, for Army, or it shouldn't be. And if your expectations went from we can't get to a bowl game and we're you know just the doormat you know of FBS for 15 years, and now all of a sudden after two seasons we're gonna or three seasons we're gonna be um, you know, winning every game, every season, I get the expectations and feeling like you have a chance given the schedule to be in every game, but it got a little unrealistic and, and this should be okay. Right. Like we, we, they should be okay with a seven win season. Would everybody agree with that? Or, or, or is that, is that no, should the fan, is the, I mean, I'm not saying they will be, but am I wrong here? I think that's much more feasible. I think it's much more feasible. I think as a fan, like I said, it, it's difficult, but at this point, like, and, I, I see being hopeful. I get the optimism. I'm optimistic. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of things and over the course of the last, you know, couple years and, and seeing how um, Coach Munkin has grown this team, like, that's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, I think it depends on how long you've been an Army fan. <laughs> yeah. What, what your <laughs> that's a good point. You're coming, like I said, the highs are highs and the, and the lower is low. So and there you're, are. You're coming off a big high. And there are those fans out there that we interact with, too. It's like we're saying, like, every Army fan's crazy and thought that they were going to go undefeated. But I think every Army fan thought they had a chance to win every game. And that's okay. Like, that's good. You feel like you have you have a chance to win every game. Um, but there are plenty of them out there that we interact with, too, that, that – are realistic that have been Army fans for 20, you know, 30 years and understand where this program is now compared to where it was. I think the thing in the back of my mind that's a little bit concerning is the comparison of Army to both Navy and Air Force. And obviously the best indicator of that comparison would be just having them play. If Army was getting yeah. blown out every year, then mm-hmm. that's it's a totally different scenario. Then maybe they're on different levels. But when you're talking about the program in general, and you have Air Force who's competing in a pretty high-level conference and obviously Navy having the success that they are in the AAC, and you look at Army who has a who has a hand-picked schedule and a worse record than both of those teams, it's kind of like, well, where do we go from here? They have their schedules decided for the next few years, but it's like, what would they have to do to actually get a 13-0 season? Like, how low of ranked teams would you have to really schedule to make that happen? So it's like basically playing in the Sun Belt or something. Yeah, I, so premature is that, I mean, it's premature to like, you're saying to kind of say like, hey, we've we've gotten to the level of consistency perhaps of Air Force and Navy over the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, it's, it's just a scary thing because if they slip any lower, there's not they're going to bottom out eventually. And it's like, they're just going to be kind of like a New Mexico. Obviously, they're always going to have the recruiting power of, their history and the and you know everything that a service academy has to offer, but still, it, it can be a slippery slope, especially if they had this long-term plan with Jeff Munkin, and all of a sudden maybe he jumps ship, or maybe it's just like yeah. they need a major course correction. Yeah, that's a really good point of what that would do, and that's another conversation I think for another day. Austin, do you have something you want to add? Yeah, I think wrap it up with with this. I would say. If you look at Army's losses this year, I know this. Maybe this is the the half full kind of guy in me. A three point loss, a nine point loss, a nine point loss. So like everything's a single digit loss. Uh, it may not have felt like that was necessarily that close of a game throughout four quarters, um, but it's it was not unrealistic. It's, it was not unrealistic to think Army was going to have a chance right. to yep. win every game. Because if you look at this, yep. they have absolutely had a chance to yep. win every game. Um, last year it seemed like they were winning those single digit games it's just this year they're on the wrong side of them yeah i mean in a couple of those but when it gets to be four and you have to say like okay they have to that point they haven't played a complete game right yet this year i mean i, I haven't seen them play a complete game um sure so yeah they, they definitely have have the potential still they still every game left on the schedule they have a chance to win right would everybody agree with that yeah yeah sure. so um so the season's certainly not over and um, but I, I guess I was bringing up the seven and five thing just to say like, it's okay. Like it, it, I know that the expectations were higher, but, um, you know, I will maybe win every game, but I'm pretty happy every year that, you know, if they average eight wins a season or competing in the AAC West until the last few games and get to a bowl game, win the CIC, you know, more times than they don't like that's, that's great. Like that'd be perfectly happy. So. All right, let's take another break, and then we'll come back. And I've been really excited for this. Scott, I know you have been chomping at the bit. You've put up with, you know, 50 minutes of Navy and and Army talk, and we get to talk Mike Schmidt when we come back from this break. All right, welcome back to the Against the Enemies podcast. We've had a really good episode today. We've had uh, JP from Fear the Wave blog on. 
We've talked Navy football and their resounding victory over USF and a team that's now receiving votes in the AP poll um, and and five five and one. Is that right? Am I? That's right, right? Five and one? Five and one on the season for Navy? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and Navy's correct, right? Is that right? Okay. I, I had to say that. I actually knew that. I was pretty confident. I just wanted to say Navy. You didn't believe it. Well, no, I just wanted mouth. to say it that many times that Navy is five and one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, but but now I, I Scott has been Debbie Downer and rightfully so to some degree um, because of the the loss to Boise in which Air Force definitely was in that game, especially through into the third quarter, um, and then the way they lost the Navy game, and then now the CIC Trophy cannot come back to Colorado Springs. So like those two games, obviously Air Force wants back. He's been very negative, but, I mean, we, we talked a little bit. We started getting towards it with Fresno two weeks ago. Um, but, man, what a performance uh, this past weekend against Hawaii in a game that I thought was going to be much closer, if I'm being honest. And I think you probably would say the same thing. Um, and, and this is – we've said it the whole time, but this is a very, very talented Air Force team. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, your thoughts, Scott. Yeah, going into this game, uh, it was a true pick I think I could have even made a case for Hawaii winning the game. Cole McDonald is one of the top quarterbacks in the NCAA, um, and even just giving him his credit early on, he, he completed 34 of an astounding 52 passes attempted, threw for 404 yards and three touchdowns, and of course he had the interception that made the highlight reel that got on SportsCenter Top 10, uh, number one play of the week. And going into the game... Really, I think everybody's thought was that we needed our starters to shine, and we needed the, the you know, we needed um, Donald Hammond to come out there and sling the ball. We needed Kate Remsburg and Taven Berto to run, but what we got was a completely different story. So halfway through the first drive, um, Donald Hammond took a hard fall on his right shoulder, his throwing shoulder, and had to come out. He went to the locker room, got it checked over. Um, and then Isaiah Sanders was left back on the trip because he had an injury himself. And so a guy who we haven't heard much about, um, in his career at air force, he's now a senior. Um, and what we saw was an article that came out from, from the Colorado Springs Gazette a few weeks ago, talking about how he was named the third string quarterback and he would step up into the backup role, um, with Isaiah Sanders injury. And did he ever play? just as he said he would. He, he was, just really came off as a fantastic guy um, who understood his role, who understood the seriousness that if DJ Hammond ever came out, um, he would have to go in, and, and he said he just wanted to be there for his guys, and so that's exactly what he did. Five for six passing, 147 yards and a touchdown um, in the air, and then he racked up 120 yards on 14 carries with three rushing TDs. Honestly, I am surprised that he has not lobbied for himself um, to be in the running back rotation. He is so fast and just a powerful runner. Um, And it was just everything that you could ask for. It's such a feel-good story. And I think it was almost eclipsed by the the exclamation point on the game, which was when Cole McDonald threw a pass um, and Grant Teal hit it up, I believe, and he fell down hit the ball up in the air five times, and then Trey Bug ran it back for a 97-yard uh, pick six. And it, it was just an incredible thing to see. And it, and it just kind of, I guess it really opens me up more for the what-ifs. Um, you know, what if we had done this against Boise State? What if we could play Boise State now that Hank Bachmeyer is not <laughs> playing? Um, and I still maintain that I think if we played Navy, and I mean, Navy looks better and better every week, but I say if we played Navy a hundred times, I think we'd still win ninety of them, which is how talented this team is. Um, and so it was, it was just awesome, and I feel really, really good. And it's like we no longer control our destiny. He is on a I high right going now. Going just one and one and zero, oh, taking it week by week, and now we've got two of the toughest games in the latter part of our schedule. Um, took care of business in those, and now we got Utah State, and then it should be pretty well smooth sailing after Army. But. Ninety out of a hundred <laughs> against Navy. I think so. Oh, man. All right. I'll let you have your high this week because you've been so down the past two weeks, three weeks, or whatever it's been. You can have your high. Um, Yeah, I mean, Austin texted me, so I was, like, delirious. I got home at midnight or 11.30 from flying home from Seattle and turned the game on, took over Twitter from Austin for, like, two tweets or something like that before I fell asleep. But, um, he, you know, he texted me during the game, hey, like, 
this third string quarterback is killing it for Air Force. And that was before I had actually gotten home and turned on the game. And man, I'm a Mike Schmidt fan. I'm just going to tell you, like that was um, just awesome to see. I mean, the way he uh, commanded the offense, just the tenacity, like uh, the, the, how hard he runs and how quick he is, like you said, and just the plays he was making. And I mean, five for six for 147 yards uh, and a, a great uh, touchdown pass to Gerard Sanders, who continues to make plays. Um, and, and I, you know, I think is the best receiver in the service Academy football this year and then 120 yards and three TDs on the ground. I mean, so I'm writing the CIC MVP article this week and I've been delayed. It'll obviously be out before this comes out, but I'll get it out tomorrow morning. Um, but I mean, it's hands down, not even a question for me this week. Um, it goes to Mike Schmidt, right? So I was waiting uh, to log in for being completely honest. I was waiting to log in and see it be Malcolm Perry. And I was gonna have it was not going to be. Yeah, yeah. No, it was not going to be because I didn't let Gavin do it this week. So uh, I was – he does his thing, but oh, – over oh three with two yeah, picks. Yeah, well, plus, going, I know. mean, last week I was even a little bit like – I mean, it doesn't have to be a service academy quarterback every week. Because, like, I mean, honor, like if you're looking at honorable mentions this week too, you already brought up like um, Jacob Springer, right, three sacks for Navy. But you look at like uh, DeMonte Meeks, like just had – I mean, the dude had – Eight tackles, four tackles for a loss, and two sacks in this game. Um, Trey Bugs obviously um, pick six and things. I mean, there's plenty of honorable mentions to go around, and, and you could probably make a case for Meeks as as the MVP for the week. But um, I, I was that much of a of a Mike Schmidt fan uh, watching for a quarter and a half. I'm definitely giving it to him this week. So I um, mean, just just really really huge victory. Austin or Kayla, do you guys have any thoughts? No, Austin, I know you watched some of the game um, into the into halftime and the third quarter. Yeah. I just think it, it not to say that Sanders and Hammond can't be explosive, but there was an explosive element that was maybe surprising just because you don't expect to have it three QBs deep. Um, but they had touchdown drives, I guess you could call them one play, three play, five plays. It just there was something about uh, Schmidt under center there that just uh, I was not prepared to see and was pleasantly surprised. I think to I see have a little bit a of show. an answer for that, um, and this was something that I kind of mentioned. I think just to take it back down to earth and maybe let a little of my pessimism show, I think a huge benefit is that he, there was no film on him. Um, there was something about his tempo that was really odd, that really worked. Um, mm-hmm. Like he, There was a few pitches on the option plays where it was like he had to hit this tiny, tiny window, and that's not something that I think coaches necessarily want, but it just really worked out. Um, and they could have been disastrous if they would have gone the wrong way. But, um, I mean, for what it is, just in a vacuum, this was incredible. I think it's something that you could do a little, like, ESPN short story on. Like, it was crazy. And you actually put in the, the Slack channel um, that, you know, outside of the Power 5 teams that recruit nothing but five-star quarterbacks, this might be the three best um, quarterbacks on a team this year. And at first I was like, ah, that's a little bit overkill. And then actually when I started thinking about it, I actually think it wasn't kill enough. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Um, I, I, I mean, I mean, name another team another team where you would be perfectly happy with any of your three quarterbacks starting and playing the whole game. Like I would be just pick throwing in there. uh, I don't even care. It's not USF. USF. I mean, it's not, it's not, any of the other service academies and you I, but I'm, my point is I look beyond g5 like uh, i'm a huge clemson fan right and i believe chase bryce is probably better than um isaiah sanders and mike schmidt but third string no like i i couldn't say that um and so i mean i would even say i'd say take it beyond that like is there another team in the country that has um three quarterbacks that they can win like you said and maybe so maybe we're going to get some mentions that like i'm not I, and obviously I'm, i don't know every team follow every team closely not thinking about every team um but you know i, I think that it's really impressive and we talked about the depth earlier this year top teams like even top 25 teams if they're that good and they're third string we've seen in the last couple of years they just transfer so right. true yeah i mean that, that quarterback room is is Great certainly point. deep um the, the other thing, too, and, and I understand the, like, the what-ifs, but if we can just, like, set that aside, like, let's just, I mean, this is a, and you've been an Air Force fan, obviously, I'm not, I'm not an Air Force fan, but uh, you've followed Air Force football a lot longer than I have uh, extensively. I'm, I'm two years into my extensive Air Force following, but, I mean, is there a more talented Air Force team that you can remember in, in your time of Air Force fandom? Across the board, no, not at all. 
the a big hallmark, I think, of any service academy, really. Um, and I think Navy's changing that a little bit. And then, I mean, arguably, eh, I would say the Army's kind of had stars, even though they play really, like, tough-nosed brand of football to get to where they were for the last few years. But, yeah, I think across the board, this is the most talented team we've had. To your point about um, – so let's move from the, the, the recap – Great win. I mean, just a shellacking in the second. And that's another thing, too. I want to bring this point up, too. Second half performances the last two weeks, right? I mean, that's been a, a big takeaway for me. That That's just coming into halftime has been pretty close each time, and then it's just been dominant Air Force in the second half. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So let's move from the recap to the preview. Um, Navy obviously has a huge game. We've already said Army must win against San Jose State. Maybe not as big of a game. Uh, another thing that's great this week is it's one of the only weeks this season, one of only maybe like two, that where it's going to be no overlap, right? It's back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back, 12 to – well, not back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, but 12, 3.30, and 10.15 if you're an Eastern uh, time person. But three separate game times for, for Air, Army, Navy, and Air Force. Um, but you kind of already alluded to it. Like this is a huge game against Utah State that you get at home and you get Army at home. The season is setting up pretty nicely for Air Force the rest of the way – um, with their two biggest games being the next two games, right? Yeah, it's a huge game. And in terms of Mountain West standings, um, right now the Mountain Division has um, Boise State, Utah State, numbers one and two, um, and then Air Force is number three. So Air Force really has to win this as long as they want to stay in the conversation from kind of my calculations for the rest of the season. So um, I think Utah State has not been as impressive as um, – as I thought they were going to be this season, they're still they still have a pretty good record. But the big thing that has not been super impressive to me um, has been Jordan Love, and I thought he was going to come out and be like just shut down the Mountain West, just top quarterback, um, roll into the NFL draft, and just get taken within the first like three rounds. Not really the case. Um, they got shelled by LSU, and I think a great quarterback would have at least thrown a couple more touchdown passes and obviously it's a team thing but um i mean 15 for 30 isn't great he's got like a 40 percent pass completion percentage his running has been awful and for such a big and powerful guy that's something that i would have expected to see so i think he's kind of falling more into that stock mountain west quarterback that I've, i've talked about um and i mean i don't know i i think we've already taken down josh love um no relation but I think that they have similar playing styles, even if they have completely different body types and a lot of similar stats. So I think Air Force needs to come in, um, get ready to get shredded a little bit, but then just keep up the pace on offense and just kind of get out a win. Yeah, I mean, so let's let's go ahead and, and wrap this up with, uh, with predictions. We've already done Army. We all said we think Army will win against San Jose State. Um, so let's do this game, and I'll start. I think Air Force wins this game by two touchdowns. Not trying to jinx them, but... Um, what do we think? Air Force win or Utah State? Who you got? Yeah, I got Air Force. Yeah, I have Air Force. Man, we're we're so man. I got Air Force too. You can say Utah State, man. You don't have to go along with us. <laughs> no, I got I got Air Force. It's just I think last week we all had the same picks every single time. That's right. Navy Tulane will be different. All right, all right Navy Tulane. Uh, Kayla, who do you got? Uh, Navy. Scott Tulane. JP Appreciate just like Scott. fired me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Man, this is a really this is going to be a really tough matchup because Tulane. Their quarterback is amazing. Tulane's not as bad as they played against Memphis for sure, and right. uh, and yeah. Navy is really good. But I, maybe I'm still the still being cautious. Uh, maybe this will be the weekend I finally. Uh, and and fully won over. Um, I'm obviously going to go Navy, um, but I but I think it's going to be a really really close game, and it's a three and a half point spread, meaning it's essentially a a, a pick 'em at this point um, with Navy getting the three points at home. So um, it, it's it's going to be a close game for sure. Any? Yeah, that's that's the big reason why I'm taking yeah. it. It's just no, I, at yeah. home. If this game was in Tulane, yeah. it might yeah, be it's going to be a really really close game. I wouldn't touch this game. Um, at all if I was betting just because I, I, it could go either way for sure um, spoiler alert what's that spoiler alert my wrist oh my bad my bad <laughs> that I haven't yeah I, haven't I already spoiled CSC MVP so Mike Schmidt um, 
Right. So is, it's going to be Hammond, right? Hammond's back at quarterback this week, or we have a quarterback controversy, or what, what's going on now, Scott? I don't think it's controversy. Um, I haven't heard anything about him not playing, but, you know, shoulder could be agitated. Um, we'll see, but I, I don't think we start Mike Schmidt in a game like this, even if after that performance. Yeah, I probably agree with that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I so it'll be, it'll be a good week. Um I would and like to see think, him get in, though, seriously, at a little bit of running back capacity. We get, like, a wildcat yeah. with He's both so fast. Mike Schmidt and And, yeah. Woo. They did some, obviously, last year, some of that with uh, with A.B. and Perry. I mean, obviously, Perry was playing um, different positions, as was A.B. last year for um, for Navy. But um, some of that, something like that, where, I mean, that would be a, an interesting wrinkle for sure. Um, and one, you know, a guy we didn't really talk about this week was Timothy Jackson, right? We can bring that up again next week. But uh, he's really almost kind of overtaken Taven Birdo a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, but but uh, but anyways, um, it's been a really good episode. Appreciate everybody listening, sticking sticking with us. Uh, I think next week could be a, a, just a really great uh, podcast just because it's, it's Army Air Force week, and I think that it's going to be an interesting weekend of games, and we could be having some – some really uh, positive conversations or some really negative conversations heading into to next week um, and the games. So thanks for sticking it out with us, and we'll be back next week with the Against All Enemies podcast. Congratulations to the Navy midshipmen. I can't buy no more. I can't buy no more. Army, for the second year, has won it. To the winners of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy, the great Air Force Falcon. That was